0: You're listening to CTO Bob with Bob Pellerin.
1: Thank you for joining us. This is episode number nine of CTOBob.com. I'm joined today by Patrick Hurley, General Manager at Acronis. We'll be discussing Windows XP, the legacy operating system. So, Windows XP was on sale from October 2001 until June of 2008. As of April 8, 2014, Microsoft no longer provides service packs, updates, or fixes. So April 8, 2014 is also the date that marks the end of all support, including extended support. Now, if you and your firm had not purchased the extended support, then effectively your support for Windows XP ended back in 2009. My guest, Patrick Hurley, wrote an excellent article that appeared in Forbes on April 8th of this year entitled, Business Owners, 10 Things You Need to Do Before Migrating Off Windows XP, and I thought this was uh, very important to cover. So Patrick, welcome to the CTO Bob
0: podcast. We appreciate you including us in the discussion.
1: XP came out in August 2001. It's been quite a while personally, but I've been telling people since 2010 to please get off the uh, the operating system. and find something else to work with really it boils down to the fact that general support really has been over since quite a while ago i mean if there are companies out there that obviously paid for the extended support but we're looking at what mid 2009 that's when the uh, the standard support went
0: yeah it's been um it's been a long run for xp obviously one of the more popular windows operating systems that they've released Very successful, obviously, in a corporate atmosphere, but obviously trickled down as well to the consumer market. The patch updates are obviously no longer coming, but it was interesting to see that immediately after announcing kind of that that final patch update, within a week or two, they had announced an additional patch update uh, because they had noticed some very major vulnerabilities that still existed out there that needed to address and there are some that are either sluggish to move the their operating systems, upgrade their operating systems, which is obviously a risky a risky move. Um, but uh, a lot of organizations don't have the resources to be able to pay for those extended support packages that um, that Microsoft offers.
1: What do you think is going to happen with the Windows XP embedded and a few of the other uh, varieties of it that are a little more awkward to remove? I mean, if you've if you're the owner of a small bank in, in West America somewhere and you have ATMs that are running XP or you've got proprietary hardware somewhere that whether it's a controls hydraulic machines or something. I've seen a lot of environments where it's expensive to remove because it's not just the XP, it's a whole bunch of other things that seem unrelated but
0: work off the XP. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's such a widely accepted operating system that it really is in some areas that you don't expect to see that. That type of an OS, but it is uh, you know in some cases a stripped down version of the OS running very simple activities. One of the good things is in, in a lot of those environments, you don't have internet access. Uh, we work with a lot of federal government customers that have large banks of machines that that never touch the internet. so for them, it's it's less of an issue. They have much more secure infrastructure that uh, you know be less vulnerable to attack. But you know you mentioned those smaller organizations, small banks, maybe in the Midwest, it is a concern for them. I don't see the operating system, Completely going away, you know. As I mentioned, there's still some very deeply embedded usages of it, you know, across the world. So it's it's not going to completely go away. Maybe um, in a few more years, you'll see a significant decline in it. But you know, from what we understand, despite all these warnings about needing to migrate, about 30 to 36 percent of these organizations are still planning on keeping a large number of devices running on XP. And uh, it, what's even more interesting is a lot of those people may not even migrate to the latest version of uh, Windows operating system with uh, 8.1, they'll probably go to Windows 7, which then puts them at risk in another year or two when Windows 7 will uh, stop uh, being supported by by Microsoft.
1: I find it interesting that every other operating system is very well received, and the ones in between seem to fall short for various reasons. It's an unfortunate trend for them. I mean, I personally was delighted when I saw the original Neptune, which is the codename for XP, Uh, Replaced the Windows ME, which I really did not appreciate. It crashed a lot, and there was a lot of issues with drivers, and it took them all the way to the XP to really get that under control. I'm thinking that's why there was a love affair with the XP, and I think Windows 7 was also in the sweet spot where it it really worked well. There was far fewer initial bugs anyways than the Vista, which came prior to it, and Windows 8, obviously they patched a lot of the problems or there's a lot of it that has to do with perception as well. Uh, obviously, if it's intended to work a certain way and most of the users are used to working a different way, they'll perceive that as a problem, even though it's not really a, an issue. It's more of a design choice that was made by somebody somewhere that the population doesn't like.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's clear that Microsoft's direction is going more towards um, you know a mobile device society. Um, with the way that Windows 8 is set up, Clearly, it's, it's for use on the Microsoft Surface, which I think they're coming out with a new version um, very shortly. But it's clearly designed to be much more touch-friendly, to be much easier to use, to have a much more attractive GUI than, than kind of the traditional Windows look that you had before with you know Windows 7 or, or even with Vista.
1: So are you in the camp of calling
0: the PC dead? I, I don't think it's dead. I mean, I, I still really enjoy the, the, the usability of, of a laptop. You know of a pc uh personally i actually use a mac but my wife has a, a pc we still run windows we run windows 7 on that i don't think it'll go away i mean the way i look at it is that we have everyone everyone pretty much is going to have three devices over time it will probably fade away and be two devices potentially you know further down the line one device but we haven't gotten to that point yet the way i look at it is that i have a I have a PC that allows me to do a lot of business related activities, um, you know, obviously with Microsoft Office, with um, different Internet activities, a lot of productivity activities uh, as far as work is concerned. Uh, Separately, I have my iPad, which, you know, I use, my kid uses, my wife uses. And then I have my iPhone that I use. Um, So I think it it really I look at it from that way is that people are going to constantly have multiple devices that they're going to use. Over time, it'll probably slim down, but I don't see that anywhere in the near future. I think that I think that people still enjoy the 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 power, the flexibility, um, the usability of of a PC. So I don't think the PC is dead yet. Uh, I think it's going to happen probably sooner than I think. But uh, you know, at this point, I think it's uh it's a multiple device community that we're living in.
1: A lot of people and a lot of companies out there realize that there's savings to be made by buying less expensive tablets and using those. They're simpler to use. If they break, they're a lot easier to replace. There's no heavy-duty programming involved in setting them back up. The majority of the people out there, however, short of needing only services that are provided through the cloud. Obviously, if you're browsing, reading email all day, and that's what job entails then you're fine if you are designing houses and you need autocad i don't really see you sitting down with the tablet at this point and pouring over detailed designs on a very small screen so you're right back to needing large screens to needing that connectivity to needing a perhaps a touchpad a mouse uh, so you're, you're right back to needing really a desktop or a laptop at any rate
0: Absolutely. I mean, you have, you have some flexibility where you're able to access information using a smartphone or a tablet, but the actual day-to-day operations, like you mentioned, within certain verticals, it's critical to have a machine that can do, you know, all that these machines can do, um, whether it's finance when you're dealing with large spreadsheets or you're in your CPA dealing with a lot of information that way, it can be very difficult to manage that on a tablet or, or even worse on, on a smartphone.
1: So let's dive a little bit into what you discussed in your article where you were mentioning uh, steps that you could take right now to migrate XP. Uh, Naturally, I guess there's two flavors of this, and we're not talking about the different XP versions out there, but more if it's virtualized or if it's a physical machine, because I'm guessing that you'll treat that separately.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of of look at them as a server or, 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 a, or a workstation when we talk about uh, these things you know it's like the server is essentially now a virtual machine with the but the rate at which organizations are virtualizing you kind of look at it as it's just it's just another operating system that needs to be migrated over to to something that could be protected or, or updated more frequently so from our perspective we kind of look at physical and virtual machines almost in the same way because we have a hybrid technology that allows us to run the same type of functions uh, whether it's migration backup, recovery to or from physical or virtual environments, we have that flexibility to do that. So from our perspective, we play well in really both areas. Obviously there's been a, a greater usage of VDI in corporate America, but um, at the same time, it's still an operating system. It still needs to be migrated to to the latest and greatest platform. So we, we kind of look at it from that approach that you know it doesn't really matter what type of environment it's in. It still needs to be backed up migrate it properly uh, and, and make sure it's it's protected going forward.
1: Can you tell me about those companies, those individuals out there that still use XP and that are reluctant and perhaps go into why they are pushing off migrating to something more recent such as Windows 7 or Windows 8? Are you being told, for example, that it has to do with legacy software or I imagine it's a small percentage out there? What kind of
0: feedback are you getting? Yeah, um, unfortunately, what we see most of the time is a lot of the feedback we get from from the customers who use us for backup or for disaster recovery. Unfortunately, a lot of customers don't realize that they need to do it until it's too late. You know, a lot of customers come to us after their data has already been corrupted or after their machine has already crashed, uh, looking for us to solve that problem for. And unfortunately, there's no solutions out there that can do that. You want to have a backup and you want to make sure that you have the ability to restore that should you face uh, one of those scenarios. Uh, So unfortunately for us, when we're talking to these customers, they're coming to us a lot of times proactively saying, I realize I have this problem. I I need a a, a solution to help me migrate over to to a more secure platform. But many of the people that that aren't talking to us are the ones that say, well, it's working fine. I don't have any issues. I don't really go to the nether regions of the Internet where something might happen to my machine. From that perspective, they kind of wait until something bad happens, which is really an unfortunate way of, of trying to approach it.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of end users out there at the retail level, individuals that have old computers perhaps at home in their basement that have remained on XP. Are you seeing the same thing in corporate America or corporate anywhere really uh, with the equivalent which is the Windows Server 2003? Are you seeing a lot of companies holding on to that as well as dearly as they are to their XP machines?
0: We are. I mean, it, like, like we discussed earlier, it's it's an operating system that people have grown to to love. It's been around for a very long time, and people are very comfortable with its uh, its functionality. Um, on the server side, yeah, we, we've noticed a similar type of trend. Customers want to want to keep working with what they're comfortable with, and they're always a little bit leery of of upgrading to the latest version, uh, which is why a lot of the times you don't see them going to the most recent version. Um, you know, a lot of customers, especially on the PC level, are going from XP to Windows 7, they're not going all the way up to Windows 8 to the latest version. You want to make sure that other people, you know, are sort of beta testing out any bugs that might exist there so they don't encounter them when they do finally get to that uh, to that upgrade. Once they've backed everything
1: up in the migration process, I mean, they've obviously gone through, you know, an inventory of what they needed. They've checked all their applications to make sure they have something equivalent that will work in a Windows 7 or Windows 8 environment. And then they'll go ahead and they'll use a decent product to do a full
0: backup And and what happens at that stage? So obviously you want to make sure that you're backing up everything. Uh, You back up not just your files, your pictures, applications, etc. You're also backing up the operating system just in case something goes wrong during that migration. You want to be able to roll back to your prior state. You also want to make sure that you're doing that at the last possible moment. You want to capture everything that you've been working on right up until that last moment. Um, So just before you're able to shut it down to perform that migration, uh, that's when you want to take that image. Uh, following that, you can use those images, those same images, to then use a mass deployment tool or a single-time deployment tool to be able to migrate your system over to a new machine um, or to install a new operating system on the machine you're currently using, and then use that backup to then you know, migrate over any files, folders, applications, et cetera, that you're using prior.
1: It might not be obvious to all the listeners out there, but once you have that image, you can then take that image and turn it into a virtual machine fairly easily if you have the right tools. I bring this up because from experience, you will find situations where you'll have an application or specific data that you needed a legacy application to get to that the user will completely ignore, forget, will think it's no longer useful, and perhaps weeks or even months later decide that that information needs to be pulled up and realize that it is no longer available. In that circumstance, if you have the image, you can bring it back as a virtual machine. It's quite simple to get into it, run the application still within the XP environment, pull up your data and at that point retrieve the information.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the the flexibility again to allow you to, to migrate a physical to physical uh, machine or to spin it up, so to say, as a virtual machine with, you know, Tools like Acronis or free tools, um, you know, you like VMware Player or tools like VirtualBox, you can actually run your old XP environment in that virtual environment. So you'd have a virtual copy of your old OS essentially running during this transition period, um, and you'd be able to revert back to it to be able to find any files, old folders that um, you didn't think you deleted, but maybe you did. <laughs> but you would be able to certainly um, access that information. Um, another cool tool that we have is the ability to actually mount one of those images search through it for those specific files. If there's only a certain set of files that you want to be, you know, actually migrating over to your new new machine, you actually have the ability to mount that image, select those files, and pull them over.
1: One of the arguments that I'm getting from clients is that they have Windows XP, they have the Service Pack 3, and they're being told or they're understanding that if they have the proper security, i.e. the backup, uh, the antivirus Uh, They have a decent firewall that they still feel like they're protected for a while. Do you have an opinion on this? Well,
0: I mean, it's not just the operating system. It's all the other pieces that tie into that machine that you're using. Um, I remember following the announcement by Windows about dropping support for XP. They released a patch update on Internet Explorer. and There could be vulnerabilities in other applications you're using on your machine at the end of the day, you're not going to have visibility to all these things. And neither are the professionals that create these tools. So from that perspective, it's better to be safe than sorry at the end of the day. I mean, the good news is, is you can always back up your machine. You know, in some cases you could have, you know, some fatal errors for that disk as a result of some um, some vulnerabilities. But at the end of the day, if you do have a backup of that information, you will always be able to um, to restore it to that same machine or a new machine. So as long as you're backing up in that type of of a scenario you know you, you have a little bit less risk but it's still going to cause you downtime especially if you're a small business and you're looking to make sure that your your employees are productive uh, you don't want to have a machine down for too long because it can certainly affect productivity
1: so in the uh, cons list that i had come up with for reasons for wanting to get off of xp along there was obviously a hardware support and the lack of drivers for some of the newer devices for example if you're looking at some of the controllers for usb3 they don't necessarily have drivers for xp available 64-bit support as well the new applications even though right now they may still work with xp as you get updates or you get uh, various versions coming out in the next few years you're going to more and more be required not only to be 64-bit which i'm guessing a lot of the xp users out there are not using the 64-bit version
0: and um,
1: they're just going to be have to do without those upgrades.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm just you, you're making me think of um, the frustrations that I have every time you know an organization releases a new a new piece of hardware that I like. That it always comes with a different type of charger, or it comes with a different type of hardware with it. That's you know if you're using an older operating system, there's no way you're going to find a driver that's going to support that. So at that point, you're kind of you're caught between a rock and a hard place in terms of being able to effectively use a lot of your devices.
1: Now, we've had a whole podcast in the past that covered backups, but I know that you, one of your products can be used prior to doing the migration to XP. So could you tell us a little bit about your backup solution?
0: Absolutely. So we talked about the importance of creating a backup prior to a system migration. Acronis actually has two tools that can help you with that process. The first is called Acronis Backup for PC, which actually includes a tool called Universal Restore, which will allow you to recover or restore an image of um, any type of hardware to any other type of hardware. So if you're Currently running a Lenovo uh, laptop, you'd be able to take an image of that laptop and migrate it to a Dell or an HP or a Bio, whatever type of platform you're using. So provide you with a little bit of flexibility there. Once you've created that image, you also have the ability to do mass deployments of that same sort of golden image. If you have, if you're a, an organization that might have uh, you know a large bank of computers, maybe you're a training organization where you have a lot of machines that have the same information on the same applications, the same systems. This tool allows you to send out thousands of images at one time to these machines and essentially multicast mass deployments out to an infrastructure. So those are a couple of the tools that Acronis has ready and available for customers to be able to effectively prepare for a migration like this.
1: I'd like to thank everyone for listening in to this podcast. And especially thank you to Patrick Hurley, General Manager at Akronist. And please make sure to go ahead and read his excellent article on Forbes magazine. I've gone ahead and put a link on the ctobob.com
0: website. Excellent. Appreciate your time, Bob. This was was very useful. Thank you.
1: If you have questions or comments or suggestions for future podcasts, please go to www.ctobob.com. The opinions of the host and of the guests are their own and may or may not reflect the opinions of this website. This podcast is copyright 2014 and is written and produced by Bob Pellerin.